0: plan on going to Trek, can start heading that way. While I turn to Daniel 12, he had been Daniel had been reading Jeremiah 29 and other chapters, of course, the whole scroll. And our passage today, he has already been steeped in that when this happens to him. We're going to see him and his peoples in circumstance. Hopefully, we'll see that the circumstance can be used for sanctification. And we're actually going to see he sees Christ, a pre-incarnate vision of Christ. We'll talk about how we know that. We're going to see that God is powerful and faithful and takes Daniel and his people and us through this circumstance into eternity. And is the eternity with Jesus? It is for some and while this isn't everything that's used in today's passage we'll see that deliverance is used to achieve all this by God and resurrection uh, before I read Daniel 12 1 through 4 let me mention that you're in a nearly extinguished nation if you're the the brothers of Daniel you know you're you're displaced we'll talk about how far displaced you are as far as journey and you're captive if you were just a dry historian looking around and you saw a people group, you'd probably look at them and say, you might want to feel hopeless, right? That, that, but they know things, right? So they have prophets and ways to know otherwise. But externally, you'd look at this and say, eh, it's looking pretty bad. And this is used by God to show his children throughout, eterni- you know, throughout the ages what eternity can look like. And we'll see that in the text. So uh, let's go to Daniel 12, 1 through 4. Let me read it. And at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince, who has charge of your people. And there shall be a time of trouble such has never been since there was a nation until that time. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. The word of the Lord. So our main topic, and, and really I read four verses we're going to be in Daniel 12, too. I mean, I'll just admit that right now. That's where, and you'll see, uh, ri- resurrection is a topic there. There's, a, and, and resurrection to what is a topic there. There's other topics. We might hit on angelology as we go through these four verses. Tribulations, great tribulation and other tribulations. Nations and how they formed or formed up or evolved. The book of life, eternal life. Hell, you see it right there, well, in that page, yep. Uh, wisdom, evangelism, right there in, like, verse 3 and 4. Search for knowledge, the end times. Deliverance, there's three big deliverances here. From from captivity, that's kind of the context. From destruction is in here, from slavery, from sin, from death, uh, from the coming tribulations, and I mentioned from death. God's power will be seen here, his omnipotence, and assurance, and I've probably left some topics out. I think we'll touch those, though. We may have to skip a few. We'll see. Focusing in on resurrection and resurrection to what? So remember, he's going to see a pre-incarnate vision of Christ, powerful and faithful, taking his children step by step each way. Actually, you'll see Jesus takes the steps first and brings his children along. Through sanctifying circumstance, he's in control, and they end in eternity with him via deliverance and resurrection, at least in part, deliverance and resurrection. So we mentioned that Daniel's writing from captivity, surrounded by some countrymen. He's not completely alone, right? He's got some friends. He's in Babylon. Do they know why they're in captivity? I think we know, right? So there's a form of national disobedience just repeated, just the downhill slide that you see through judges and kings, and um, it seems like early admonitions just don't seem to finally get done what needs to get done. So they go all the way to captivity. How far into captivity are they? Uh, I'll read from Ezra seven three. Uh, Glasses functioning here. Ezra seven nine. Sorry, for on the first day of the first month. He began to go up from Babylonia, and on the first day of the fifth month, he came to Jerusalem, for the good hand of God was on him. So the return journey, this is now after Daniel, the the return journey that Ezra makes takes four months, and he's got God him along. Now, he's got a bit of a caravan, probably, so, you know, there's going to be, it's not like running, galloping horse but if you're in a caravan and you're going to make this run and you have God stepping with you every step of the way, it's going to be four months away. So that's how far away this captivity that Daniel's in, that's how we know how far away he's in. And we read Jeremiah chapter 29 earlier, we won't go back to that, but he was reassured that God has a timer and actually was told exactly when the timer was, and he was supposed to share that with his countrymen. So they know they're on a ticking clock, they know how far away they are, and that's kind of the context where we come into... Chapter ten through twelve. Chapter ten through twelve, Daniel is hitting the last in a series of visions that he's sharing with the people, and in this final vision, uh, leading up to it, he had been having, you see, in chapter ten, no wine. So he's going through a time of privation, possibly cleansing. He's having no spicy meats. So we know that whatever's about to be that he sees isn't caused from you know wine consumption is not caused from some kind of spicy meat that went bad that night um, and he's in a time of personal privation he's hanging out with his countrymen they're doing their thing and all of a sudden the handful of them just scatter it says they feel dread in chapter 10 and just scatter and right at that time he sees a figure a vision who starts to tell him a lot of stuff they don't report seeing the figure so let me look at daniel 10 5 and 6 he says, I least a man clothed in linen, with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. So we see a lot about the figure in the vision, pretty clearly described. Rock hard abs, super good tan, probably some darkish skin, burnished bronze, um, really pretty looking. Uh, Eyes like fire, you know, face like a flame. Do we get a name? Does Daniel get a name? Later on, we saw and read. They shut up the book and, you know, maybe Daniel got told some stuff. We don't know, but we don't yet have a name. But if we then look at Revelation 1, 13 through 15, let me read from that. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. So I'm in a police lineup. I'm Daniel. And they're like, I'm like, that's my guy, right? So this is the same person. And we know from just a little further on in Revelation 118, the figure directly tells John, I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. So we now know that it's a pre-incarnate vision of Jesus that's talking to Daniel. He's coming back in time, or I don't know how you'd put it. Like we live in now, uh, I'm not saying time travel was there. He shows up at Daniel's time and starts to tell him these things, right? So he's there telling him the roadmap of what's about to come and that he's going to step with him every bit of the way. So chapter 11, right before chapter 12, Jesus is giving Daniel just really quickly, so we have just a tad more context, a future history lesson. He's like, this is, everything's gonna happen, and it turns out to be over a few hundred years, and then it telescopes way into the future. So you know that word telescoping, it kind of compresses. I think of nowadays, like a YouTube video on your phone, and you can just, you know, before YouTube was invented, you know, we would talk about telescoping. You can kind of see a lot of distant future all in one place. Um, He talks about Alexander the Great, which was, I'm going to say, about 100 years. When it goes, goes to the before Christ years, there's the minus sign, and everything's backwards, so I get a little confused. But Alexander the Great was about 100 years after this talking, right? So he's not even an idea yet, and he gets fully described. So Jesus fully describes Alexander the Great to Daniel. There's a description of Syria and Egypt and their series of kings that is about to come in the intertestamental period of several hundred years. Um And he goes, then leaps into the future. He talks about the resurrections and and the great tumult. And that's kind of where we are. And you might hear me say resurrections, and that will hopefully get fleshed out as we go. There's, you know, but you could go to a couple of resurrections, right? So it's where you end up that matters. So like I said a little earlier ago, he he hands basically like a full roadmap plan. Like, here's what's going to happen. Here's like a remember the old days, you'd fold the map up and just put it in your pocket. So Daniel has that now. And then we get to where we're at. So at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of her people. Just a two seconds on angelology. Michael is also named in Jude and Revelation. He's a created being. We all know that, right? Like, just, of course, Michael is a created being. The creator of Michael is Jesus. At odd times in life, you may come across some people who might just debate that a little bit. Um, we should just keep that straight for the purposes of today. Jesus created Michael. So uh, what's interesting here is there's a season coming up that we'll see, because the context of this verse 1 of chapter 12 is still something we haven't quite seen all of yet. And, um, you know, he's delighting in Michael being a little more visible. Well, that's his choice. He gets to do it, right? So he could do it himself. He could have 70,000 angels do it, whatever, and Michael's going to rise and kind of be involved in protecting the people. So it's kind of fun to see that he's going to delight in seeing that. So we get into tribulations in verse 1. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation until that time. Such a simple sentence. Just casual. There shall be. This is a dense vision that Daniel's getting. Because what does before there was nations mean? Like, Thinking of troubled times, some of the things we've seen, we know there was the fall from paradise, right? So Adam and Eve fell from the garden. There was such bad behavior that there had to be a flood, which created a reset. Shem, Ham, and Japheth survive from the ark, and they start going out, and you can kind of see prototype nations forming up there. And then the Tower of Babel, there's some bad behavior there again, so the people get scattered in languages form, and there's a somewhat of a diaspora from that. So, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were already kind of proto-nations, and now here the nations get formed. So, that's kind of about when this sentence is talking about, when this verse is talking about. Now, since that time, when we can kind of look back and say there was nations, um, what could we think of as, as tribulations? We certainly know there was drought, famine, slavery in Egypt, wandering around in the wilderness 40 years. Um, once you get your promised land, now there's war with neighbors, right? Some of it you're, is righteous wars you should do. Some of it is not performed exactly fully and completely, so that causes trouble. There's civil war, and now we're in the middle of captivity, and we just got a future history lesson, if we're Daniel, from Jesus, who says uh, there's also going to be more empires are going to rise. They're going to fight each other. None of that's going to be easy for Daniel or his people. I mean, you you could tell as you're hearing it, right? And these empires are all going to fall. That's never an easy time. We see in history that's, that's no fun for the people. But he's saying here, there will be a time of trouble so bad that's worse than all of that. And I do want to mention, I, re- I remember specifically who kind of finally drew this out of me uh, in my thoughts. I won't name who, but it's like, people go through personal tribulation. We all know we go through it ourselves, lose a family member. Um, I can draw that to mind and just all sorts of sadness can immediately come to mind so we're really looking at countrymen fellow national tribulation but it applies you know personal tribulation that's a key component to how we should see circumstances which are sanctifying and we're really going to be look at this sort of the countrymen style of tribulation but all of this applies to individual tribulation and we should know that um, but there's something about 3 a.m. right you, you, you maybe didn't fall asleep and you're like, ah, oh, I wonder if my, you know, all the scary ghost stories of the news of the day, and you're like, oh, I wonder if our currencies are going to collapse. I wonder if our food supplies are going inter- to get interrupted. Oh, how bad is the pandemic going to be? You know, is it, is it over? Is there a new one coming? I've heard hemorrhagic fever is on its way, right? So that's kind of what might come to mind if you're, in, you're captive in Babylon, and you're just, you know, you read the scrolls, you read Jeremiah 29, but you can worry at night. So let me read Hebrews 12:6. We're going to just touch on a little bit of why these circumstances can be used, how they're used by God, and uh, just a couple of um, reassurances from, from elsewhere in Scripture to bolster up what we're about to go through with Daniel 12, 1 through 4. So Hebrews 12, 6. Um, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. So you're in the middle of wondering what the king of Babylon is going to, at a whim, just decide. He might kill all y'all but we would really want to look to this, right? We don't want to worry about the king of Babylon. We want to worry about Jesus. We want to worry about the Christ. We want to worry about resurrected, truly God, truly man, making decisions, You know, having a plan in advance, showing you what he decided before the foundation of the world. That would be more important than the king of Babylon. Easy to say, but at three in the morning, you've got to put it into practice, right? So Romans 5, 3, and 4, this came about because I was kind of, just chit-chatting with a friend a couple days ago, and I was kind of telling him about how in Daniel 12:1 through 4 we see Christ in charge of taking us from circumstance to eternity through these methods. And he said, oh, that makes me think of Romans 5. And I'm like, yeah, let's read it. So Romans 5, 3, and 4. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And that always makes me think of James 1, 2-4. Count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And maybe a glance at Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So Daniel knows Proverbs 21.1, and he probably didn't call it Proverbs 21.1 at the time, but he knows this, uh, he knows the Proverbs. So he's living in Babylon, people are living in Babylon, and they're, you know, the king has made them do some really weird things already, but he's got this in mind. He's like setting his mind on things above, you could say. But now we're coming to deliverance. First one says, But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. So we have uh, Jesus telling Daniel what's going to happen. Captivity's going to come to an end, but then there's going to be worse trouble, and everyone's going to be delivered. And then he just kind of casually moves right into, just so seamlessly. Oh, and by the way, dead people are gonna come back to life. Wait, what? Like dead? So you're delivering us from the time of troubles and from this eternal separation death thing that is being clearly written right here. Um, we'll talk about the mechanism of that or what we can learn from the mechanism of that and some of the implications of that, but already there's this striation, but at the time your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So, start to kind of wonder who's in the book, right? There's a book, and there's people in it. Who's in it? We can look at Malachi 3.16 for characteristics. This is kind of where we're hitting on this. You can see it right there. Those who feared the Lord get, you know, let me read through it. Um, Then those who feared the Lord spoke with one another. The Lord paid attention and heard them, and a book of remembrance was written before him of those who feared the Lord and esteemed his name. So you can see there's an author of this book. Someone's writing it, and he writes in those who fear the Lord. If we look at Revelation 13, 8, I'll pause mid-reading to tell you who it is, because we'll get to it here in a second. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. That's the beast. All who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before, in, before the foundation of the world in the book of the life of the Lamb who was slain. So we're wondering who's in the book. We already see that those who fear the Lord. And here you see the book of the Lamb. So the Lamb is Jesus. So this is Jesus' book, the Lamb's book. It was written before the foundation of the world. And you can already see a behavior change Before the final judgment, before the people are brought up to either their eternal life with Jesus or their eternal shame and punishment, there's a characteristic behavior that you can see in the people. Some are worshiping the beast and others are not. I found that to be kind of curious. And if we look at Matthew 25, 46... Another characteristic of those in the book. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So the righteous, that's another characteristic of how you can learn about who's in the book. Punishment in this sentence, I went and grabbed the Greek kolasis. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. Just a straightforward definition of kolasis is, and and here it says, eternal kolasis. So never-ending, long-lasting kolasis, right? Chastise punish, torment, and there's an application of deprivation, deprivation, to, so being deprived, something taken away, like, you know, you're grounded or you're in trouble or something like that. And uh, we'll come back to that in just a second, but let me read one more, Revelation 20, A little bit of a long section here. We'll go from 11 to 15. When we get towards the end, if you're reading or looking on the screen and hearing, look for a repeat phrase towards the latter half of this. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So that's the repeat, right? You heard it, the lake of fire. So the lake of fire would be equated with shame and everlasting contempt. We see in Daniel 12, 1 through 4. 4, uh, It's juxtaposed by eternal life the Greek word tells us it's chastising, punishment, torment, deprivation. And a couple of side notes here. I've had people do this to me. Many of you probably have. You're talking to a person you know who trusts you and and likes you as a person, a friend or family member. If you ever get into these waters, there can be an easy way to kind of go, well, you know, heaven, the fairy tale, sure, sure, sure. And they might be able to brush off hell the fairy tale also but sometimes you'll see that they'll start to take it quite literally you can tell because they stop and they look at you and they are starting to put it together the implications of you're working the gospel into conversation I've had this happen to me I'm sure many of you have and if it's private enough they'll look at you and say so hold on a second hold on a second you my buddy from years back you think I'm going to hell that's happened to me I'm sure some of you have had that happen to you if not the Bible equips us how to preach the gospel. It's probably going to happen to you. And my encouragement would be: we have to preach the gospel to ourselves every day. We're here to preach the gospel to each other. Um, the complete gospel. Let's think of some nice, short, concise. John three sixteen: shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. It's really fun to think about the everlasting life. There's a perish in there. What are we saving our friends for? Or, well, we're not doing the saving, but what are we teaching our friends about? What are we spreading the gospel about? Hoping that the sal- salvation power. Well, we're reading about it here in Daniel 12, 1 through 4. So it's a little brimstony, I confess. Um, my encouragement would be if you are blessed enough to find yourself in that conversation, just remember, um, you know, remember what you read from the Bible. And I find it not always easy to tell the person, well... Yeah, here's here's the facts. This is what we really know. So in uh, Hebrews twelve two, kind of moving a little bit to because we're going to get some good news. We really are going to get to some good news. We had to walk through this a little bit, right? Um, starting to kind of segue into the walk that Jesus Himself is walking through. That He did walk through. That He uh, in Hebrews twelve two we see this is about Jesus. The segment I'm reading. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. So he went first. He's having us do what he has shown us already. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So maybe that most difficult step, right? That leap. He did it. So uh, let me read again from Daniel 12. But at that time, your people shall be delivered. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So the deliverance, so Daniel knows already there's going to be a deliverance from captivity. He's been listening to the future history lesson coming from Jesus, so he knows there will also be horrible tribulation, but that's in the distant future. But he now knows from right here, being told in words, that will have deliverance. And then the next beat, and I keep saying it just, it, it's so smooth. I could never write this. By the way, the deliverance also includes from a thing you may not have had clarity on, which is you will have permanent separation from God or you'll have permanent togetherness with God. Right there in verse 2. So our trustworthy and powerful Savior is taking us from our circumstances, using them, but taking us from them through his will by deliverance and resurrection into eternity with him so we 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 talked about hell we talked about the book of life there's a little bit more to say about the book of life in that we could talk about um more from an assurance perspective we saw some characteristics of those who are in it and let me just i had the you know the outline has this thing called optional i'm going to jump into it right now because we're segueing kind of i feel um if anyone on the camera reading, you know, seeing anything, anybody here, if you ever feel troubled by these things, if they stir you up and make you worried, and I've been through that, I've been through seasons of that, you can ask me, an elder, Pastor Stewart, a friend who goes here, a friend who goes to a Bible-reading church. Um, don't just keep that to yourself. Reach out. Reach out to somebody. That's my ever-so-soft altar call. Um, so, let's let's look at some of that assurance, because the Bible is full of God's love, full of assurance. The gospel is only good news. That's literally what the word means, right? Gospel, good news. Romans 6, 23, we're talking about, I don't want to say how you get in the book, but maybe I could. I just did, right? I, I just said what I said I didn't want to say. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So, Maybe we could speak of characteristics more of people in the book or how you get in. Accept the free gift. Righteousness depends on faith. So if you want the righteousness, have the faith, right? Paul in Philippians 3, 9 through 11. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the past, like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Clearly Paul's talking about our topic today and he's making it exceedingly clear that it is by faith. Probably many of you love to read Romans 10, 9. Let me read Romans ten nine, and maybe I'll leave it at that. Uh, I had written 9 through 13, but we'll save a couple microseconds here. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's belief, and your belief will drive you to confess. Really quick side note. I wrestled with this one for a while, some years back, and I was like, it's this two different things that combine to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's really not. Um, Paul, steeped in Proverbs, you can you eventually see it. He thinks in kind of like, this is one way to describe it. Here's another way to further describe it. So the belief and the confession are really the same thing, right? You're, you're, you're not going to do one without the other. Could you surgically sit there and find a way to mimic confessing? I did that for years as a younger person. Philippians 4, 3. Help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. I mention this because this isn't just some vague, weird, emergent phenomenon that comes out of, you know, having faith, having faith in Jesus, living right, whatever weird sort of Disney thing you want to say. There's names, Clement, these women, they're in there. So your name is written in, like your actual name. And then I can't do assurance without mentioning James's version of assurance. One, James 1, 5 and 6. This to me, and it's not really this, but it can feel like a little stab in the ribs right after you're like, oh, that sounds great. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith without any doubting. Just, you know, like, you've got to be all in is really what he's saying. So the book, the Lamb's book, Jesus' book, tells us that we go into eternity from out of circumstance by way of him. He's the door, right? He's the way. He's, the, he's taking every step. He himself is how we go from our circumstance to eternity. So let's jump into John 11, 24 through 27. So when you're thinking about how to take this news, Martha is a perfect example. She's just lost Lazarus. Mary, and Martha, and Jesus are all lamenting the loss of Lazarus. And they're all properly, Jesus most properly, going through this grievance. We know Jesus openly weeps in the street as he's on his way to meet them. Um, And that's really what's on their mind. And he says to her something to the order of, well, you know you're going to see him again. And she specifically says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. she knows about daniel 12 1 through 4 she's kind of mentioning it right here Um, there's a tone to how she says it and you can tell there's a tone because then listen to what jesus says to her i am the resurrection and the life whoever believes in me though he die yet shall he live and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this kind of feel, feel like he squares up and looks at her right in the eyes. Maybe already was, right? But it just it feels like that. He's like, do you believe this? Maybe he even grabs her shoulders to kind of square her up. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So she kind of went from, yeah, 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 I know. I get it. I read the same scroll. You, you read it to us the other day, Jesus. Um, and he's like, no, no, no. Get this. Hear me. That's me standing right in front of you. That's what has been talked about for hundreds of years. And she's she has an attitude change like that. She's like, and we covered this a little while ago. We've been going through John, right? So I'm just kind of highlighting, you know, I'm stealing from the best, right? And she's like, gets it. She's like, yeah. But we can do that now. I mean, like eternal life. It's harps and clouds and fairy tales and maybe flowers. So my encouragement to me and to us would be find out when we're et cetera et cetera and we're kind of going yeah 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 yeah. i i I understand that but right here i have a a pandemic that all my loved ones are going through right like so she she just for sure lazarus like he didn't just have a sickness he was gone right so she's in the middle of that so it's just an encouragement right i don't mean it to be finger wagging it's pointed at myself right like just let's see what martha did here and let's uh Let's remind ourselves of that, right? So that we can trust the Lord with what He's doing in our lives. All from Daniel 12, 1 through four, right? I mean, like, it's an amazing passage. Um, kind of a quick note also, because we were talking about how Martha knew about eternal life. Job, which is some really old text, may not know as Martha, much as Martha had from reading, you know uh, Daniel. But Job asked, if a man dies, shall he live again? So the question's out there since way back. You know, the Pharisees and Sadducees were kind of set up as a debate over what this exactly means. So I I don't really buy into the, eh, this, this, I've heard it before. I I won't belabor it, but, you know, like people at 3 a.m. really think about what does eternity have at stake for them, right? Uh, The return of the 72 in Luke 10 kind of really talks about how much we should rejoice in this how much we should marvel at this and to help us get out of that yada yada etc cetera, etc cetera, like oh that's some distant hope so the 72 returned in uh, luke ten seventeen. lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said to them i saw satan fall like lightning from heaven behold i've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So he's saying, you know, even more than the cool things you get to do now, the awesome blessings I'm showering upon you and showing you my power and letting you be partaking in this showing and the the integration of heaven kingdom coming down here on earth. Really, really be happy that your names, your specific personal name is written in the book. Revelation 22, verse 2. By the way, I'm almost out of Bible quotes here. I'm almost out. I think this is the last one. It says, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Well, we haven't seen that thing since Genesis. Right? It's right there. So Daniel 12, 1 through 4, we have seen the circumstances of captivity, release. Something worse than you can ever imagine that we haven't quite seen yet, probably, although we did see World War II, so we have seen some tribulation. Tribulation, deliverance. You were actually, in case you didn't know, we learn in Daniel 12, 1 through 4, you were born into a state where you would go to hell. Well, what's hell? It's really bad. Deliverance, right? Not only just deliverance from that, but to eternal life. He talks a little bit about the characteristics and, and qualities of, of what this will be like um, I almost feel like I, no, it's coming up. I've got an R.C. Sproul thing shoved right in here. Um, he says everything I've been trying to say in four words. <laughs> and by the way, I didn't find this quote. I was handed this quote by a tutor who took a look at my outline and said, hey, why don't you uh, just be aware of this? He said it very gently. You probably know, can figure, can deduce who that is. So R.C. Sproul says, right now counts forever. That kind of spawns the, you're in circumstance, you're being walked through embedded life as an embodiment, as a representative of the kingdom, if you're having faith in Christ and walking the way he wants us to. And uh, you you can sort of say, it's the old as good as it gets, as bad as it gets, right? So whatever's going on now for the believer is the worst it can be. Whatever is going on right now, you've all heard this, right? We've uh, we've talked about it from time to time. Whatever is going on right now for the unbeliever b- believer is way better than it's going to be, right? So there's an envelope around the circumstance. There's a there's a there's a limit for now, but then after the death and then comes the judgment. It's it's the chasm, the great chasm, right? So let me read kind of going into verse 3 and a little bit of 4. We're not going to spend as long on verse 3, just minutes, mere microseconds on 3 and 4. Your people shall be delivered, and everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. This is another example of those written in the book, those who are activated, those who are you know, have to wrestle with God like Jacob did and get punched in the gut and like limp forever, right? You're activated, right? You've been touched. You've been sent out. You can see here, again, they're behaving evangelistically. They bring many to righteousness. So that's another hit, just kind of like the one where uh, those written in the book were already not worshiping the beast. Another example of that kind of here. Um, so you're turning many to righteousness. You're being you're behaving in that way that spreads the good news that shows the example. You're like you're wanting to be like Jesus and people are seeing you want to be like Jesus and it's catching their attention. So that's how you're turning many to righteousness. Um there's also a quality here again that 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 sort of Hebrew he, Hebrew poetry way of thinking. This this stumbled me for a second. He's like you got the brightness of the sky. You're as bright as the daytime sky. And you also shine as long as the stars forever. And I'm like Nighttime sky is kind of dark. What is he? What is he doing here? And what he's really doing here is he's saying you're going to be as bright as the daytime sky. But that thing comes and goes, right? It's there. It's not. It's there. It's not. And then you're in that state as long as the stars are. And I don't actually know how exactly God's going to do heat death at the end of the universe. But clearly, the metaphorical example here is forever, right? The stars forever and ever. It even says it in case you're not sure: forever and ever. And then, better than I could ever, verse 4 can just seal us up. It literally does it right there. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. That's a nice way to end a passage. Um, Obviously, verse 5 goes on, and we (laughs) get a lot more stuff. But by closing up the book, I mean, what does he mean here? Does he mean, hey, Daniel, I'm about to tell you some really deep secrets? Maybe. Or maybe he says to Daniel you know, I'll tell you more later. Either way, this is what we got. This is what we got from the vision. And then this thing about to and fro and searching, it's got a little hint of kind of a frantic looking for change under the couch cushions. Oh, I got to pay the thing. You know, there's, there's a hint of that. Um, knowledge itself is a tool, right? It's man that can use it for evil. So, you know, but it's not specifically saying wisdom. It's saying knowledge. Uh, when it says knowledge shall increase. So the encouragement is, you know, imagine these exiled Jews, the nation, the, the compatriots uh, with Daniel. He's in the middle of circumstance. They had a prophet, Daniel, who sees a pre-incarnate Jesus who comes and starts just laying it out for them. This is how it's going to go. And then you start to see as history unfolds, Jesus does exactly what he says and he steps through it all first and then he brings his children along with him the whole way. And they go from captivity And then later, greater tribulation, like we will go through. And then they go through the judgment. They end up with Jesus in eternity. Just checking my notes, see if there's anything left over. No, just all repeats. So what are we holding on to through this journey, right? Are we holding on to the decrees of King of Babylon? Are we holding on to, you know some cool little thing we hung on a wall, and then we're going back with Ezra. Um, we should just hold on to what God gives us. And what does he give us? He, he gives us himself, right? He gives us Jesus. Jesus is the prize. Um, he's the pearl of great price. He's He's really who gets us through individual and corporate circumstance. So that can lead us to rejoice. It should lead us to rejoice. If it's not leading us to rejoice, maybe we got to do a little bit of pray time Um, It comes and goes, right? It comes in waves. We all have our our ups and downs. But it leads us to, to rejoice. And so I will then point out that it can lead us to pray. And let me pray and let's all pray together. Lord God, thank you that you showed up big right in front of Daniel. And while his friends were maybe a little bit not the way you planned, his eyes certainly were open to see you and You encouraged Daniel to share. And you showed him not just a simple statement that, oh, yeah, I'll I'll get you. You gave him high, high level of detail. Lord, we don't know why exactly you delight in which details you share and don't, but help us to trust you. Lord, you demonstrated your power. You do demonstrate your power. You showed us your faithfulness, your truthfulness, and and you showed us then and you show us now. You put us in a world, Lord, and you tell us, be in the world. You tell us not to be stained by the world. How can we do that? Lord, you offer yourself to us, and we thank you for that, so that we can keep our eyes on you. Lord, you even told us that the future's going to get worse. Lord, that's not the news that we intrinsically, naturally might want to hear. But thank you for telling us. And then you said you would deliver your children and that the deliverance is to something we really, I, Lord, struggle even today, right here and now, to really imagine or understand. But I certainly thank you, and let us be thankful for that from you. Lord, thank you that you choose us, that you chose the way you chose. We can't scrutinize the mysteries of you and how you decide that. Thanks that you just keep showing us and, Lord, please bless the rest of this day and the rest of this week and have us be those who turn many to righteousness, knowing that you are the one who turns them to righteousness. But let us share. Let us share this good news. Um, just any opportunity, Lord, please make it clear, so clear to us that um, we'll just do it. And, Lord, I thank you in the name of Jesus and say amen.